Girlfriends, episode number 259, Why We Need Catholic Fiction for Teens with Carolyn Astfalk and Leslie Wall. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, I'm talking with two friends and fellow authors, Carolyn Astfalk and Leslie Wall, all about Catholic fiction for teens. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Hey, girlfriends, how are you? Glad you're joining me. If you are a first-time listener, I want to give you a special welcome. It's come to my attention that we've got a number of new listeners here at Girlfriends. I think many thanks to Father Mike Schmitz and his Bible in a Year podcast, which is enormously popular and part of our family of podcasts at ascensionpress.com. So glad to be part of that family and to have some of you joining me from there. It's exciting to have you here. I'm always looking for ways that we can expand our community here at the Girlfriends Podcast. So I'm overjoyed that you are giving this a try. I hope you're going to like your time with us. We talk about topics, any topics that are of interest to Catholic women, especially. And so I know if I'm interested in it, they're likely you are as well. So we talk about everything from literature to housework, to marriage, to health and wellness, to, of course, spirituality. Um, I frequently have guests here, but then sometimes I'll do shows that where I'm just sharing about a topic on my own. I like to have a wide variety of topics here on Girlfriends and for it to be a kind of community that's open and welcoming to everyone. So whoever you are and wherever you're joining us from, we are so glad you are here. Thanks for showing up. Thanks for connecting here on the Girlfriends Podcast. So before we dive into uh, my conversation recently with uh, Carolyn and Leslie about Catholic fiction for teens, I just want to check in with you and ask, how are you? How are you doing? How are things in your state? How are things in your little corner of the globe these days? How are you handling COVID restrictions that are ongoing? Are you getting to mass? Are you, you know, visiting with family at all? What kinds of things are you finding challenging or might you be struggling with right now? I think sometimes we forget to do these little check-ins even with ourselves and just say like, you know, how am I feeling? And so I want to encourage you right now to to just do a check-in with yourself. And it's me asking you, how are you feeling? How are you coping with the ongoing stressors of things related to COVID? You know, this is on my mind and my heart because I, I recently found myself feeling kind of down about it because, you know, enough already, right? (laughs) Haven't we said that? Didn't we say that like nine months ago? Like, I am over this. And yet, some states are in new lockdowns, and they'll, they'll come out of the restrictions and then only go back into them. But might you be feeling a little bit hopeful? I know I've been feeling a little bit hopeful recently, because of course, there are many people getting the vaccines, and that's a great sign of hope. Our family hasn't had it yet, except for my son-in-law, who's a firefighter. So he's had his vaccine. My father-in-law and my parents are scheduled for theirs. And so that right there is a sign of hope that things can be different in the future. The other day, uh, my husband, Dan, bought tickets for a concert here in New Hampshire this summer. And I was like, wow, that is an optimistic person. And so we'll see. Uh, That's supposed to happen in June, I think. So uh, stay tuned for that. But you know, 
even though I've been feeling hopeful in some of those ways, just yesterday I was at my son Raphael's uh, high school basketball game. And yeah, they have basketball. It's very limited and it's weird, but they're having basketball. So I was at his game in the gym. And of course, only two people per player are allowed into the gym for fans. And so it's very limited and you're sitting far apart from other people in the bleachers and everyone's wearing masks and the boys are playing basketball in masks. I, I can't even fathom that. Like, I, I can't even imagine, like I suffer wearing a mask just sitting in the bleachers. I get tired of it after sitting there for, you know, 90 minutes or so. I can't imagine, you know, being out of breath and sweaty and having that thing on my face, but they do it. But I did just like find myself having a moment there thinking about how it was, you know, in previous seasons and how much fun it was to go and watch the boys play. And it's still fun to watch them play, but it's so different. Like there's just this kind of quiet in the gym and like this weird, awkward clapping occasionally, or someone will yell something out, but just not the same kind of fan experience. And, you know, the fact that the boys are wearing masks and um, all of it, just all of it. Uh, And I just found myself starting to feel down a little bit like this is ridiculous. I'm so tired of this. And, and it made me realize though, that it depends on what you want to focus on, you know, because that was me yesterday. And then this morning, it's a first Friday, the day that I'm recording this. So Deanna and I went to mass this morning and they had adoration after mass. And I was just there like thinking what a blessing this is to be able to go to mass, to receive communion, to have adoration. And I know not everybody has access to those things right now, or they aren't able to, for their own reasons, uh, go to mass right now. And so I was just very aware of the fact that that is a blessing and something I need to be grateful for. And if I focus on that, I feel very hopeful and joyful. So it it made me kind of pause and, and reflect a little bit on the fact that it matters what you focus on, you know, how you're feeling about all of these things that are going on in life right now. And whether you're dealing with your kids, you know, remote schooling or your homeschooling or work situations that are out of whack or financial stressors or health concerns related to COVID. It's all about where we choose to focus. And I'm going to today make a deliberate effort to be focusing on the positive and focusing on gratitude. And I just wanted to share that with you to invite you to do the same. But I also want to invite you to let me know how you're doing. Let me know what challenges you're facing. You can always email me, Danielle, at daniellebean.com or send me your questions or your feedback that you'd like me to share in an upcoming episode of Girlfriends. All right, I'm gonna share with you now my recent conversation about fiction for teens and why that is a necessary thing, why it's an important thing. I'm gonna be talking with two women who are doing great things inside of the world of Catholic literature for teenagers. Check it out. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Girlfriends. I'm excited to have a couple of friends this time, a couple of special guests today here on Girlfriends. Carolyn Asfalk and Leslie Wall are joining me here. I know them because they are contributors over at catholicmom.com. I've had the privilege of meeting them in person at conferences over the years. They are both Catholic fiction authors, and I love getting the chance to talk about fiction authors here at Girlfriends because that's a genre I have never tried my hand at, but I love the people that do. I love that there's a Catholic genre for teens specifically. So first of all, welcome to the show, both of you. And Leslie, we're going to start with you because you were one of the founding members of a group online for Catholic teens called CatholicTeenBooks.com. Maybe describe for us exactly what that is and why you founded it. 
Oh, sure. One of my favorite topics. <laughs> and by the way, thanks for having us on. Happy to. When uh, my first book came out a few years ago, I was introduced to a Facebook group, uh, Books for Catholic Teens. And that's where several of us authors that write for Catholic Teens kind of first met online and got to know each other. And we were reading each other's books and so forth. And as I had an opportunity to present at a homeschooling conference in Kansas, I was going to share about all kinds of different books and different genres, uh, Catholic teen books. And one of the authors I'd met on the Facebook page, Susan Peake, who writes um, for, about saints. She has some amazing books about the lives of saints, and they're real adventurous. So I knew she lived in Kansas, so I invited her to join me. And we met and just had a great time at this event. And one of the parents there said, this is great to have all these books that you're telling us about, but it'd be really great if they were all in one place. And so after the conference, we started chatting and we we're like, that is a great idea. So when we got back, we you know, contacted a few other authors uh, that all write for Catholic teens. And uh, the website just sprung up from there. So it's been really great. Right now we have 14 authors and lots of different genres, fantasy, mystery, dystopian, historical fiction, romance, all kinds of things. That's great. So people can check that out at catholicteenbooks.com. But Carolyn, I want to get your perspective here. So when you first started writing, were you specifically writing for teenagers? No, not at all. Actually, most of my books are geared more to adults. But I did have, about the time that Catholic Teen Books was coming about, I had written a coming-of-age story that has teenage characters. And so I was an easy fit into the fold at that point. And I, right. I am going to write more for teens um, when I can ever get through the books I'm writing now. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, they were gracious enough to welcome me. And I, besides writing it, I, I have teens of my own. And I have a vested interest in being able to provide them with good books that I'm comfortable with you know, that they aren't going to be contradictory to the faith, but are still well-written, fun, good books. So you know, any way I can support that, whether it's as a parent or a reader or a writer, you know, I was pleased to join. I love that. And you know what? I am such a fan of young adult fiction. Like I, I loved it when I was a teenager and I just never stopped reading it. I mean, I, I love it. So I'm sure you guys are fans of it as well. Um, So I love that you're talking about providing good content for Catholic teens, because that's the problem I have. You know, I'll go into the library and one of my kids over the years would be like, oh, I want to try out this series or my friend is loving this book or whatever. And I'm just overwhelmed. Like, I don't have the time to read them all. But I do know from experience, there's a lot of garbage out there, too, that's aimed specifically at young adults, which is really insidious. So what, what's been your experience with that, Leslie? Do you find that it's really important to have that label, like, say, this is a Catholic teen book before you you put it out there? That is actually the whole reason I became an author, really. I was searching for books for my own kids years ago. My fifth grader at the time, he's now 25, but uh, he was such a good reader and he was ready for like young adult books, but the content was just not appropriate and didn't match mm -hmm. our values and so forth. So I kept searching and searching for good, clean books. And at the same time, the story for my first book, uh, The Perfect Blind Side, just kind of popped into my head. And I kind of felt like the Holy Spirit was leading me to write this story. And uh, and then as it, 
time went on, I realized there are some amazing books out there, faith-based books, but they're harder to find. Mm -hmm. And um, and you mentioned labeling as Catholic teen. It's tricky because sometimes that people don't realize, they think it's going to be preachy or boring. So that can kind of be a stumbling block. I'm always, I do a lot of reviews now on my website and for other sites, including Catholic Mom showing faith-based books because there are so many great stories out there and it doesn't have to be hammered in on you but you know just that these characters have the same values that uh, teens have and so it's just wonderful to have those choices but again getting it out there for folks to know about is the tricky part. Yeah I think that's important because you do want to signal to parents like this is clean content this is good for your teens but I think that is tricky putting that label on it because some kids might roll their eyes at it or they might think, oh, this is going to be a book all about going to church or, you know, somebody's conversion story, which could be very edifying and inspiring, but not necessarily what a teenager is looking to read. What, what's been your experience with that, Carolyn, both as a reader and as a writer? Well, I think Catholic fiction in general, but teens as well, it just suffers from this idea of some kind of um, saccharine, sweet, really holier than now kind of fiction where somebody's trying to catechize you outright through the whole book. And I, there must've been books like that, especially I think at one time that really turned people off and it stuck with them. So I always think the most important thing is to tell a good story. And Mm -hmm. if you're a Catholic author, you have a Catholic worldview that kind of seeps into your story, whether you even want to put it there or not, it's, that's who you are. That's what you write. And that's what comes out. So I think if you're trying to tell a story first and foremost, then you're starting in the right place. And the themes will occur naturally with the characters. And, you know, we don't put labels on our book, like a big stamp on the front that says Catholic <laughs> or something. Um, it's a, They're enjoyable by anybody, I hope. You know, anybody could pick them up and especially other Christian teens that aren't Catholic. Um, some are more specifically Catholic than others, but they should be enjoyable by anybody. And they're not, especially, um, Leslie mentioned Susan Peake's Saint books. Like a lot of times you'll think, oh, a Saint book, it's so dry and it's just these facts and it's boring. And Hers are anything but. They're very adventurous and very dramatic. And it's really, again, it's a story and it's fun to read. Yeah, I think that's that's so important, especially if you want your, your kids to get into it. So you've got an anthology coming out, right? Leslie, tell us about that. Uh, yeah, Catholic Teen Books has actually our third anthology. Uh, we're very excited about it. It, uh, it revolves around St. Patrick. So uh, our other two anthologies were short stories by different authors, and it was a great way for teens to get a little taste of different authors and their writing style and so forth. Uh, But this one, all the books are linked together through a relic of St. Patrick, and they're fictional stories, but it's so fun uh, to travel through time. So the first one actually starts with St. Patrick. Uh, Teresa Linden wrote that one, and then it's traveling through time and ends with a dystopian story uh, by Corinna Turner. And so it's really been such a fun way to work together, but with this common theme in the book, I think it'll be really great. And it's based around St. Patrick and obviously, and it'll come out at that time, but it'll be a great story anytime, especially like a, a confirmation gift or something like that, just inspiring stories. And again, they're fun stories, but they all are linked with this certain relic. 
That's a cool idea. I like that. So different different books that are all around a, a central theme, but taking on, I mean, obviously like a dystopian that's coming from a very different angle. So I love the creativity that's shown there. Carolyn, what's been your your process like with writing? You mentioned you've got a number of projects um, that you're you're working through. And I'm sure like most writers, you've got ideas that are you just, you know, you're thinking that you're going to get to and not sure how, but you're also a mom. Like you've got little kids still in the house. Tell us about how you how you manage your your writing work along with everything else that you've got going on. Well, I won't say that I manage it well all the time. <laughs> usually, <laughs> usually if I'm succeeding in one area, I feel like the other area is failing. But uh, even during the past year, all my I had uh, four kids in Catholic school, and they were all suddenly home <laughs> for the duration. <laughs> So I had just started to get used to having this little block of time in the day to do marketing and writing. So everything kind of went out the window. So I did very little writing over the past year, but my brain never stopped churning with ideas. So I feel like I have all these things in my head that now I've got to squeeze in time to get on paper. But it's just been a process of, you know, I started writing when I had two little ones and then I added two more little ones. So it was writing at night, writing when they're napping, writing in very small spurts here and there, and then taking a big chunk where I could get it. And just, you know, trying to keep perspective that that wasn't my primary focus. It had the kids have to come first, but they also can sit back a little bit and let mom get done what she needs to do too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's important for people to hear. A lot of people who listen to Girlfriends I know are aspiring writers or working on writing in some capacity. I hear from them all the time. They're like, how? Really? How do I do this? And so I think it's important to talk realistically about what that balance looks like. How about you, Leslie? I know your kids are older, but what maybe you could talk about in the past when you balanced it, or maybe you've got other work that you're balancing it with now. Yeah. Um, right now, this is really my full-time job reviewing and writing and it's been great and it's wonderful to actually have a little extra time to do although it seems like I never have enough (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yes when I I was the same way when I first started writing I would just in fact I didn't even tell anyone I was writing a story because I was afraid it wouldn't be any good so I was like writing (laughs) it you know when the kids were at school or you know at soccer practice and remember one time I was telling an interviewer about that I said oh and I even would like write in car line or something and the guy's like oh so you're the annoying person that I'm always stuck behind but you did you'd have to just carry your notebook and jot ideas down wherever you could and, um, yeah I mean, I, I like that description because I think we all, whether we're writers or not, every every mom needs to balance her her mom life with creativity because we're all creative creatures in some way, shape, or form. So finding your outlet for that might look like jotting down notes while you're in pickup line or just taking whatever corner you have or whatever 20 minutes you can find here or there. I think that's an important part of the process. Um, so when did you first begin writing, Carolyn? And you mentioned that in the beginning, it wasn't specifically for teens. I think you were more focused on romance. Is that correct? Right. I started, I've been writing my whole life, but I had mostly done nonfiction writing, what was work-related and you know website content and all different things like that. But in 2010, my husband was traveling a lot for work and I had just two little ones. And I decided kind of on a lark, well, I'm going to try National Novel Writing Month and I'm just going to the challenge is just to bang out a 50,000 word book. Doesn't have to be good, doesn't have to be complete, but I thought, you know what? I have a little idea here and I'm just gonna give it a shot. So that's what I did. And that wasn't really my first book published. That ended up being the third, but 
And I didn't set out really to write romance, but I found that that's kind of what I write. <laughs> it wasn't even what I heavily read at the time. And I do now. So I know better what I'm doing. But I think I had a lot of time before that. When my husband and I were first married, we did Engaged Encounter as a presenting couple. And I was really soaking up a lot of theology of the body and all these discussions and things. And so that's kind of what started to come out when I started writing romance and about um, human sexuality and the church's view of that and uh, just general, you know, romance that is informed by a life of faith. Yeah, that's such a such a great product to be producing now, I think, because people are hungry for that, even if they don't even know what theology of the body is. Like the human being knows truth and beauty when they experience it. And so through your stories, you're able to kind of open that door for them. I, I love that you're doing that. How about, how about you, Leslie? What, what kind of writing did you begin with? It was very similar. I always loved being creative and writing. And again, for jobs, I do the newsletters and things like that. But didn't really write a novel or anything. So when that, I told you the story just popped into my head, that was in 2009. And so I just sat down and started writing it and getting all these ideas on the paper, but it was really rough. And I started, worked with a mentor that helped me because you know, I didn't really know what I was doing and so forth. And so, and I always read a lot. And uh, for some reason, I've always been drawn to kind of the YA and I love mixing it all together. All mine have mysteries in them. I love mysteries. I also love adventure and humor and romance. So I kind of all put them all together. My husband thinks I'd be YA because I really never grew up. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I think it's the best genre. I, I think the best people are focused on that. So that's great. Um, so how would you maybe encourage moms who are listening that maybe they're not looking to write themselves, but um, a lot of homeschoolers listen to girlfriends, plus a lot of people who are finding themselves suddenly homeschooling when they never intended to, that kind of thing. But we're interested in, in encouraging creativity in our kids, encouraging good writing. How did you do that with your kids and how are you actively doing that with your kids now, Carolyn? Well, I think the best thing and the one of the first tips I've got when I was writing was to read, 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 read. So I think anytime you want to write in reading, and so that's the backbone of, you know, have my kids read, read what you want. It doesn't have to all be scholarly work or anything, but you get such a sense of how a story is put together, how information is conveyed, how sentence structure and rhythm work. And so I think for kids as well as for adults, for someone that wants to write, that's the best first thing to do. And it's also in some ways the easiest, that's the easiest right. thing for me to fit in, like squeeze in here and there. And that becomes the basis of being able to write yourself. And then after that, I think it's just do it because you can't improve upon something until you've given it a shot, even if it's an awful draft or whatever, you, you need to have something to work with. And then it's the discipline of, I'm just going to see this through. Right, right. No, that's so true. That's so true. And with my own kids, some some of them are homeschooled, some two of them are going to school. Um, I, I find that that's the thing about writing that like they, they can get all excited about the idea and getting it down on paper, but it's like the nitty gritty, like, no, go back and do this again. You know, they're like, mm -hmm. no, no, I already wrote that thing. Like, yeah. so that's, that's where it really takes mm -hmm. discipline and follow through. Um, how about you, Leslie, were you deliberate about teaching your kids writing skills and making that a part of their upbringing? Um, no. Somewhat, I guess, but I think it's interesting because two of them, my older two, actually have been writing stories now too. And I guess from seeing me do it or something, <laughs> I'm not sure. And my daughter is an amazing editor, and I'm not very good at that part, so she's always helping me with that. But I just think it's interesting how that they have different genres they like. That you know, we're just everyone has their own interests and um, gifts. 
you know, that they are given. And it, but it's such a creative way to uh, share your thoughts and things. And also, I was thinking about something that Carolyn said. I think if people do want to start writing, it's really helpful to have um, either a group, a writing group, or um, some kind of mentor. Or I think libraries often have groups because I think for me it was that feedback from other people, and not necessarily like uh, my family because they probably would have been like, "Oh, it's all great," but you know, somebody yeah. who really can give you some constructive criticism and um, advice so that you do really improve. I think that is really the key. And probably in any form of creativity that you have is probably the same. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a key thing. And for people who might be struggling to find that group near you, especially in the age of COVID, maybe groups aren't meeting. I know the Catholic Writers Guild exists and um, you're you're an active part of that, both of you. Um, Carolyn, maybe share with people a little bit about what the Catholic Writers Guild is and what your experience with them has been like. Sure. I always tell people that's the single best thing I did when I started writing because it was an opportunity to meet other writers. And I had been going to the local library to do get some critiques, um, but there was a certain point that that wasn't helpful anymore because I needed someone Catholic to look at things. And so that was where I found a critique group so the people could read and give me feedback. And it's also where I did the first, first thing I did really was volunteer. And that's um, how I met Ellen Hercash, who actually published my first book and uh, two subsequent ones. So just getting an opportunity that way, they have live conferences and we actually have an online conference coming up uh, later in February here. It's inexpensive, uh, you know, weekend of talks. And that's a good way. Again, unfortunately it's not in person, you know, but meet people online, meet them. Right. <laughs> and um, lots of different talks for people that are every stage and level of writing. It's whether it's fiction or nonfiction or children's or adults. Um, and different types of writing. So it's a, that's a great opportunity. And the Guild has really been a blessing to me in meeting other writers and improving my own craft. Yeah. Um, so has that been your experience as well, Leslie? Absolutely. I've met so many amazing people and that have become friends, even though I haven't met them all in person. You know, it's just so wonderful to be around people that have um, same viewpoint and faith and so forth. That's really helpful. Yeah, because the writing, I did some things with a local, I'm in Colorado as a local group, but it yeah, wasn't faith-based at all. So it's so helpful to have people that have those same values, I think. And, and you know, besides the friendships, is my faith has grown a lot. It's pretty amazing. And yeah. I was able to get to the live conference twice, which was just amazing to actually meet people in person. It was great. Yeah, I think they're having an online version of it this year. I think so. And yeah. I I think it might be back out in Chicago. We move with the Catholic Marketing Network. Um, right. So I'm pretty sure that that's where it's going to be. Okay. Yeah. So we'll, we'll link that up in the show notes for people who are interested in finding out more about the Catholic Writers Guild. And if you don't ever get to the show notes at ascensionpress.com, no, you can always text the word girlfriends to 33777 and you will get them automatically sent to your inbox every week. Really cool, really fun way to stay connected with the Girlfriends podcast. Well, Leslie and Carolyn, before we have to go, I want to ask you each to just share maybe one thought, one piece of advice that you might offer to a fledgling writer, maybe a mom who who's feeling a pull toward writing some fiction or writing of any kind and not sure where to begin. So we'll, we'll start with you first, Carolyn. What, what might you say to somebody in that situation? 
I think it's important to learn to separate yourself from your writing because very easily you start to take things personally. And it's also very freeing when you can separate, this is my writing, this is something I do. And it gives you the freedom to not do well at it or to fail at it or to do great at it, but not, you know, it's part of what you do, but it's not who you are. So Mm -hmm. again, I think that's really kind of a freeing thing. Just, just try it, just be creative. Yeah. That's great advice. How about you, Leslie? What might you add? That is great advice. Again, I go back to um, if someone you can bounce things off with a mentor or just a friend even, um, because that to me was so beneficial just to give some other ex little Uh, different viewpoint on things. Right. Very helpful to have that feedback. Well, my guests today have been Leslie Wall. You can read more about her and her work at lesliewall.com. I'll have that linked up in the show notes. And Carolyn Asfalk, who is at carolynasfalk.com. We will have that linked up in the show notes as well as catholicteenbooks.com, where you can find out more about that upcoming anthology and check out some more of their work. Carolyn and Leslie, thank you so much for being part of the Girlfriends podcast today. It's been fun chatting with you. Thank you, Danielle. And coming up, we've got some listener feedback for you. But first, a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean, and you're listening to the Girlfriends Podcast. Nestled under the warm Florida sun is a university whose name indicates a vocational call. Ave Maria, Latin for Hail Mary, recalls the angel Gabriel's announcement to Mary of her future vocation, becoming the mother of God. Enriched by God's grace, Mary freely ascends to this call. This is the model for all students. Come to Ave Maria University, where we offer a liberal arts curriculum buoyed by the sacraments. This empowers you to clearly see your vocational call, whatever that might be. Ave Maria University, your vocation location. Visit AveMaria.edu or call 1-833-AMUSWFL. Welcome back. Now we're at the point in the show where I like to share a little bit of listener feedback or a question. So I'm going to share with you today an email I received from listener Jennifer. Jennifer writes, Hi, Danielle. I've been a longtime fan of your podcasts and books, but I have a confession to make. I haven't been listening to your podcasts. Over the course of the last year with a pregnancy, COVID, and a house full of kids, listening to your podcast fell by the wayside because that quiet time just wasn't happening. But I've recently found ways to squeeze in the time to listen, and as usual, you brighten my days. I also dusted off one of your books to reread, giving thanks and letting go. And if that's not enough, Danielle, being in my life, during a recent trip to our local Catholic bookstore, I picked up a copy of your manual for marriage. I did hear you talk about that book earlier this year, and when I accidentally found it at the store, I couldn't resist. I've only skimmed through pages of the book, but it's beautiful. Do you have any tips for how to best share it with my husband? The podcast I just finished was your interview with Kimberly Hahn. I've never heard her speak before, but I have heard her and Scott's story. I was so touched by her beautiful wisdom, and I can't wait to pick up some of her books. So anyway, thank you for all of your work to help and support Catholic Moms, Jennifer. Okay, thank you so much for sending me that email, Jennifer. I appreciate it. And I totally get it about falling out of the habit of listening to podcasts. Here I am, you know, I'm a podcaster. I need to be all about podcasts. And I usually am. But I realized during this uh, time of COVID, 
of course, all of our habits changed. And the fact that I wasn't traveling for work anymore meant I wasn't commuting. So I pretty regularly make the trip from here in my my home in New Hampshire to my office in Massachusetts for Catholic Mom, for the work I do with Catholic Mom. And that's a long commute. So, you know, I do it at the most once a week. And it's, you know, like a three-hour drive great time to listen to podcasts. So I was always caught up on podcasts and my different audiobooks that I was into doing that. Also, you know, I wasn't traveling on airplanes anymore. So I haven't been doing any of that commute, haven't been flying anywhere. So my regular times for listening to podcasts kind of fell by the wayside as well. And I too have been being more deliberate about picking up the time to listen. And I'm glad you have too, because I love connecting through podcasts and I've loved kind of reconnecting with the podcasts that I regularly listen to in that way and finding out about some new ones. Some people started some podcasts during quarantine. And so it's been fun kind of discovering what new things are out there. I like to listen when I'm cleaning, especially. I don't generally at the house like to walk around with earbuds in. I think I I like to be able to hear what's going on. I like to be connected with the people in my house. But if I'm focused on like a cleaning job, like a decluttering job or something, I will listen then. At Christmas time, I did a lot of listening while wrapping presents. So whenever you have a job like that, I think it's kind of fun to just focus on doing, you know, listening to a podcast then. And so I'm glad you're picking it back up too. You asked about sharing the manual for marriage with your husband. And thank you, first of all, for mentioning the book, for uh, mentioning giving thanks and letting go. I'm, I'm glad that you're enjoying that book. But so as far as sharing the manual for marriage now, for those listeners who aren't familiar with this, this is a book that Dan and I wrote together for Tan Books. It is part of their series of manuals. So their manuals are these beautiful books. Like Jennifer mentioned, it's beautiful. Just the, the cover is like this leather-like material and it's got gilded edges and just this really nice paper. So it's kind of a prayerful experience just leafing through the book. And the first part of the book is essays that are written from uh, Dan and me. So those are written by each of us, each of us offering our own brief, their brief essays, uh, perspective on a topic related to marriage and family life. So talking about the vocation of marriage, about um, family life, about the domestic church, all of those things. And um, so in each one, there's a, a section where Dan and I each share from our own perspective, and then there are practical kind of tips and like bullet pointed almost points at the end of each of those sections. And then the second half of the book is prayer resources. So many prayers and hymns and wisdom from the saints and scripture quotations all related to the subject of marriage. So uh, Jennifer, you asked about sharing this with your husband. I know some couples who have kind of gone week by week and just read one section both the, the my perspective and Dan's perspective and and then just set up a time that you can talk about it together. Your your husband, I don't I don't know him, but he may not be open to doing that. He may not want to have like structured discussion time with you. Um so maybe instead you could spend some time, you know, reading it on your own and then just sharing it with him, like what you thought about it and asking him some questions that are related to the content if he's not open to reading it himself. Or the other thing is that whole section, that beautiful resource at the end of the book. I can't take credit for this compilation of resources. Actually, our son Ambrose, who is in grad school, um, he's getting his master's in theology. He does some freelance 
work for Tan, and he was responsible for putting together those resources. So he was a it was a Bean family project to this manual for marriage. So he worked on putting that together, just a beautiful resource of of different prayers for family life and for for marriage. And you might pick a few of those that if you pray together with your husband regularly, maybe bring some of those to your prayer time. Or if you don't pray regularly with your husband, this could be an opportunity to do that. Ask him if maybe before you go to bed at night, just pick one of those those prayers to pray together. Um, whenever you want to do a project like this with your husband, I always, I always tell women like, instead of like telling him what to do, like tell him what, what you would like to do and ask for his opinion about how he might like to do it. Like you could share in a general sense, like I would really like for us to share this book together and then see what he's open to doing. I think we need to be respectful of each other's preferences and temperaments and just really want to avoid either guilt tripping somebody or just bullying somebody into, you know, taking part in a, a project like this, especially with regard to your spiritual life together as a couple. I'm not saying you're inclined to do that, Jennifer. I'm just saying, I think all of us are inclined to do that on some level. And so it's just a word of caution there. And I hope you will enjoy it um, after you've had the chance to share with your husband in whatever way you can or whatever way you want to. Let me know what you what you both thought of the book. And then finally, I totally agree about Kimberly Hahn. I hope she will come back on the podcast soon. For those of you who may not have heard that episode. It's a few episodes back. I'll link it up in the show notes to this episode. The show notes are always available for every episode of the Girlfriends Podcast at ascensionpress.com. That episode was called Biblical Wisdom for Your Motherhood. And it's all about Kimberly's new series of books that she's kind of republishing. And um, she has a radio show that is now available on EWTN. So you will want to check all of that out. Kimberly is such a gift. I loved our conversation and I look forward to having her back. All right, that's all the time we have for today. But if you have feedback that you want to share like Jennifer did, please email me. I love to hear from you. You can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. Send me a question or maybe a topic suggestion for what you might like to hear on a future episode of Girlfriends, or just check in with me. Let me know how you're doing, how it's going. I truly do care about that. So thank you so much for being here today. Know that I'm praying for you. If you listen to the Girlfriends podcast, you have been prayed for because every week I pray for the people who listen to this podcast. And I know this is such a prayerful community of women. If you are not already connected over on Facebook with our Facebook group of listeners to the Girlfriends podcast, please do come over. I will put the link in the show notes at ascensionpress.com. You do need to request to join because it's a private group only for people who listen to Girlfriends. Uh, so you do need to request and then get approved to join, but it's a very simple process. You can go to facebook.com slash groups slash girlfriends podcast to request. Or if you forget all of that, you can go to ascensionpress.com and just get the link over there or just send me a message on social media. I'm Danielle Bean on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'd be glad to get you connected to the Facebook group for Girlfriends listeners. So in the meantime, we'll be checking in there, but that's it for the podcast this week. I'm so glad you've been here with me. Thank you for being here. I'm truly grateful for that. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between daniellebean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation.